Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Hey, it's full. Uh, considering it's the school holidays, this is quite amazing because you never really know during the school holidays if, if anyone's going to be there. Uh, before we start, uh, we're going to pray for the children's church and for the work going out there. So you could take your hand and stretch it that way. Father, we pray for the workers out there, for Catherine, for Mornay, for Beck, uh, for Amy and others out there uh, ministering to the children. We thank you for their prayers that have preceded their ministry. We pray that every single child that ever comes to City Lights Children's Church would get to know the Lord Jesus Christ and experience the touch of God. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, Catherine uh, visited uh, Jerusalem with Tiff, and they were in January, February. They were in walking through the old city of Jerusalem and met a rabbi who defined revival in these words. It starts with a trickle, it becomes a stream, then becomes a river, and then becomes a flood. The interesting thing, and the reason why I mentioned that, is that's what you're involved with. You're not just sitting in church for the sake of sitting in church. You are involved in an incredible movement of the Spirit of God prophetically where God himself decreed that through his son Jesus Christ, the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdoms of the Christ, kingdoms of God and of his Christ. You're part of that. So would you open your hearts to receive the word of God this morning that would help? I'm sorry, I'm Monet, I'm praying for you out there and you're back in here again. Be blessed. Would you pray? Would you pray that your heart would be open? Father, in your mercy, long before we turned up, you spoke a word that included us in the end times to be part of a great kingdom. Anoint your word and open our hearts that we might not just receive, but we might take hold of the promise, not just for our sake, but for your kingdom's sake. Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And we pray the same thing in Jesus' name. Amen. When I said revival starts with a trickle, in my case, maybe it starts with a drip. If I can be self-deprecating. It starts with you wherever you are, and that's important for the end of the message today. So we've been looking at the series called uh, Adventures of a Lifetime, and my heading today is Adventure with Purpose. Because it's not just about you having a good time. It's about there's a bigger purpose in this adventure than any of us ever imagined. And so we're talking about Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham. They both mean the same thing, but there is an implication there in the change. And Abraham's journey was one of the most momentous journeys in history. Just started with one guy. Well, as a matter of fact, it started a generation before with his father, Terah, 
but then it comes to Abram, and in um, the New Testament, book of Hebrews, it writes these words, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. So I'm preaching the word of God, but you will take it to heart, as you should. And you may take to heart those words, even though he didn't know where he was going. Is that you today? You're on a journey, but you're not quite sure where you're going, and you're not quite sure where the Lord is leading you, and you're not quite sure where it will end up. Welcome to the journey. It's at this stage where you tighten your seatbelt. Buckle in, we're going for a ride. This one man changes the destiny of nations and the history of this planet. So the question is, what motivated him and what were the results? I'll speak about that a little bit in a minute. How does this one adventure with purpose affect you? Now, I'm going to be talking about Abram, Abraham, and you might think you're going to get off scot-free, inside a joke. Lord, help him. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, uh, but it's, about, it's about Abraham, and it's about God, and it's about Jesus Christ, and it's about the kingdom of God. But it has to land, it's about you. And so if you can prepare yourself, you will need to respond at the end of this message, or in actual fact, you will need to respond at the end of every message, or you will need to respond every time you read the word. Because that's how I got to where I got to, because when I read it, I thought he was talking to me. And if you have the same mindset, that he's not talking to them, special people, he's talking to me, he's talking to you. And, and, and on one hand, that can be frightening, but on the other hand, it's phenomenal. He's talking to you. And when it says, by faith, Abraham, when called, he's calling you. I was 13 when I heard the word of God. Didn't know anything. But when I heard the gospel preached at number one oval in Talmouth in the open air, in the bleachers, in the stands, in the open air stands, and when Leighton Ford called for a response, I said to my mother, I'm going down. And she pulled me back and she said, you don't know what you're doing. And I said, I'm going down. Because he called me. A 13-year-old called me. And he said to his disciples, come follow me. And it wasn't because they were special. They were fishermen and whatever's. But he called them and he's calling you today. And so I could preach a number of things to you. I could preach, you know, I could pat you on the back and comfort you. And all. I don't want to do any of that. I want to remind you of the call of God on your life. That will lift you up. That will take you to somewhere where you never imagined you could ever go. And it's all about him from beginning to end. By faith, Abraham, when called to go, when called to move, when called to respond, 
to a place that later he would receive as in his inheritance, not then and there, not even soon, because the journey took him many places, but later he obeyed and went. And so there's something today about the call and there's something about the response which is called obedience. The Apostle Paul said, I have not been disobedient to the, to the heavenly call. It's a heavenly call. It's a upward call. If you live a life that is mediocre or less, if you're downtrodden, if you are the last, the least and the lonely, or you may be there, God has called wherever we are up. If you're living at a high place, he's called you higher. He calls us up. It's an upward calling in Christ Jesus, as the Apostle Paul said. Interesting quote I'm quoting from Hebrews, which is a quote from the New Testament. But in this one verse, the Old and New Testament are entwined. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the faith chapter, it talks about the Old Testament men and women of God who live by faith as though we were supposed to live by faith as well. And it's talking about, in the New Testament, Old Testament characters because God wants us to read both the New and Old Testament. And if you read this and it doesn't make any sense, then go back and read the Old Testament as well. Read the narrative because the narrative is also prophetic. It's a narrative, it's a story, but the story becomes the theology of the New Testament. It goes deeper. And so we read and reread and reread both Old and New Testament until we understand what they were talking about, what the Lord is talking about, and what he has called us to do. In Genesis, chapters 11, 12 through to 15, you can read this story, but in Genesis chapter, one, uh, chapter 12, verses 1, and parts of uh, 2 and 4, I've summarized this. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your, from your country, from your people and your father's household, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. So Abram went. What is your response today? Your response is to go to the next level that the Lord has called you to. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. You see, this call of God on Abram and the adventure is not just about us. It's so that he could become a blessing. I'm so glad it's not about me. Because if it was about me, in my sense, for me, it would be pathetic. It's like, how did you go, John? You lived to 103 and it was all about you. What a waste. What a waste if it's just about me. I got to the end of the journey and I got what I wanted. It's the invitation for something bigger, for your life to affect others. And so here's a map of the life and journey of Abraham. He leaves with his father, Terah, Ur in the Chaldees, travels through Babylon to Mesopotamia, between the Middle River, and they settled at a place called Haran, probably named after uh, Terah's other son or Abram's brother who passed, who passed away and died there. And so they settled there. And even though they were called to Canaan, they settled. And at the age of 200 and something, Terah dies. And so the challenge of that one piece of information is don't settle. You've, you've started well, you're going well, you know where you're going, don't stop. 
keep going. Keep going. And so Abraham picks up the call that was on his family's life. And he keeps moving ahead. And by the time that he leaves, he's about 75 years old. And I apologize uh, because I'm preaching to you and I'm not 75 yet. Not far off it, but I'm not 75 yet. And uh, you can't have the excuse that you're too young. Well, I'm not 75 yet. I, you know, I can't respond because I'm not the same age as Abraham was. It's like, no, no, doesn't matter what age you are. You could be 12. You could be not quite 75. And you keep moving. And so they leave Haran. He's called Abraham when he goes out, goes to Canaan, settles at Shechem, leaves Shechem because of the famine, goes to Egypt, gets into trouble in Egypt and returns back to Hebron. So in other words, what God's called you to is not a straight line. It's not you leave A and you go to B and then you leave B. No, you leave A and then you go to and then you're over here. And anybody on that journey, on the journey of the squiggly line, it's like, but God called me to do this. Why am I over here if he's called me to do this? It's like, just keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes. He'll get you there if your heart is responsive. He will get you there. He's, he's better able to lead us than we are to follow. They call him the chief shepherd because he can lead us. And so they keep moving ahead. Now, the thing that I get about the Word of God is that you learn the principles of the Word of God. And so these are the faith principles. Number one, hear the call. Number two, know who's calling. Number three, get to know his voice. So, so is, it, is it God or is it your voice or is it bright, shiny things that are attracting you? I want the, could I be rich and famous? I don't know, maybe, maybe, but don't let that be the voice that calls you to follow. And so you would think because the story starts in chapter 11 that somehow this family knows God. And you would think that you're here possibly because maybe that somebody in your family knew God. And irrespective of how well they knew God, build on that fact and that experience and press in closer yourself. Learn to hear the voice of God because it's difficult to obey if you don't know what you're obeying. It's difficult to obey if you don't hear his voice. And, and it doesn't really matter how expert you are at hearing his voice from the, from the day-old believer to the seasoned apostle. We're all responsible for hearing his voice daily and following. But even if you are just the freshest born-again believer, he can speak to you and take little steps. But keep moving what do I do now? By the way, uh, if you don't know the word of God, it's difficult to hear his voice. So one of the things you could do to help yourself to understand the voice of God is to put yourself in the word of God on a daily basis so that you can get to know him, get to know his character through the word. 
Get to know his promises through the word. Don't build your life on your feelings. Don't build your life on other people's ideas. Some Google expert, go to the word of God yourself. Read the word of God. Learn to listen to the tone of his voice. Because some people read and speak the word such and such and they're like, I don't know whether Jesus would have said it like that. You'll only know if you get to know him through the word and he will reveal himself to you. Learn to hear his voice. Stop enough to listen and then keep moving. Stop enough to listen and then keep moving. The second, the fourth thing, don't let circumstances dictate your faith. This is really important, and I'm glad it's in the Word of God because um, it, it is an excuse to say, well, if you know where I'm at, you too would discount the call of God on your life. I'm disqualified because this happened and this happened. I'm this and I'm not that and I'm not something else, etc. The circumstances didn't stop Abraham from moving on. So God comes to him and says, come on, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Off you go. Chapter 12, chapter 15, he comes back and he says, Lord, I'm struggling here. So he's already been down to Shechem and he's been down to Egypt and he's back again in Hebron. And he, he says, Lord, I'm really struggling. I'm not quite sure. Is this thing working? And the Lord says to him, as he says to us, don't be afraid. He starts with don't be afraid. Abraham challenges God, which in one sense you're allowed to do. In one sense you're allowed to do. He says, Lord, how can I be the father of many nations if I haven't got any children? Will Eleazar from Damascus be the one that raises up children on my behalf? And then the, the, Lord, the Lord says this to him. The Lord challenges him. Then the word of the Lord came to Abram. Genesis chapter 15, 4, 8 to 6. Then the word of the Lord came to him. And the Lord took him outside. Uh, You've got to be careful when the Lord takes you outside. Uh, my dad's done that in the past and it never ended well. It's like, And the Lord took him outside and he said, look up into the stars of the sky and if you can believe me, your children, your children will be as many as the stars in the sky, if you can number them. And listen to this. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. See, the theology of the Reformed Church, I'll come back to that in a minute. The theology of the Reformed Church starts with this one confession that we are justified by faith. It's not our works. It's not how good you are. It's not what you can do for God. It's not that you're born from a certain royal lineage or something. The thing that matters in the Christian life, in the kingdom of God, is faith. And Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This one statement from this one man changes everything. Well, did it come to pass? Abraham is known as the father of the Jewish faith, the father of the Muslim faith, and the father of the Christian faith. So he's the father of the three great faiths in the Middle East. 
there are 14 million Jews, there are 1.8 billion Muslims, and there are 2.38 billion Christians who all trace their lineage back to Abraham. And so in our day, that promise has come to pass. And the one seed of Abraham that makes all the difference is Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham. And it was his message to us that the just will live by faith or the just, we are justified by faith, comes from this one encounter outside the tent when Abraham says, I believe that my descendants will be like that, even though even though the circumstances spoke against it. And I'll tell you what the circumstances are in a minute. Over 500 years ago, there was a Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther who got the revelation from the book of Romans, chapter 1, that the just shall live by faith. And he wrote a thesis and he nailed it to a door uh, in a church in Germany uh, in the Diet of Worms, which we won't even go there. That's the area of Worms. And it was his thesis on the Reformation that birthed the Protestant churches. The rebirth of the church in the Middle Ages was born from this revelation, the just shall live by faith, which is recorded in the New Testament but comes out of a narrative in the Old Testament. And we are part of that. So what were the circumstances that Abraham had to overcome and the circumstances that you have to overcome? So Romans, so we read Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. We read Genesis for the birth of the story. And then we go back to Romans chapter 4. Phenomenal stuff. If you get a chance, make a chance to go and read it. Against all hope, we're reading from Romans chapter 4 verse 18. And 19, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. That's You're going to have to have a certain amount of faith that he's 100 and she is 75, I think. She was a bit younger, but she'd been childless probably from birth, they hadn't had any children for 75 years. And he faced the fact, he didn't deny the fact, he didn't say, oh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. He said, even though I'm 100 years old and I'm past it, and if I'm not, she is, she's never been there. So if you say, I don't have the resources and the circumstances the environment for this miracle to happen doesn't work, apparently it doesn't make any difference to the Lord. Apparently, all that matters to God is that he called you. That's the only thing that makes a difference. And the resources and circumstances are irrelevant to you believing that God can do it. Joel, somebody say amen. Amen. Come on. And... Uh, so we're not, we're not denying reality. 
By the way, if you look at the circumstances of the planet, you can see the planet going to hell in a handbag. Hell in a basket. It's like, God help us. What are we doing to ourselves? And yet the Lord says to you and me and to us, I'm going to bring a revival, the likes of which has never been seen. I'm going to win people. I'm going to snatch them from the, from the edge and I'm going to bring them back and they're going to stand alongside you or be ahead of you and they're going to serve me because I'm going to call them, says the Lord. And the circumstances don't mean anything. You look at people and say, oh, God couldn't save that person. Oh, yes, he could. As a matter of fact, that might be the challenge that he puts on you. Why don't you go and share the gospel with them? Why don't you go and tell them about the love of Jesus? Why don't you step out of the boat and say, hey, can I talk to you? Would you mind if I prayed for you? I went to my uh, dermatologist a couple of weeks ago and I got talking to his practice nurse and I said, uh, talk to her about, I opened the door somehow about the Lord and said to her, uh, she said, oh, my grandmother's a Christian. I said, oh, good. Before you go, could I pray for you? And she looked at me like this and I said, thank you, I'll take that as a yes. And then uh, just a simple little prayer, just a short one, non-invasive, you know, don't worry about that she dug a hole out of my back this week. Uh, non-invasive, my prayers, she's invasive, like scoop, we'll have a look at that. And uh, so anyway, Catherine went to see the dermatologist and he said, oh, by the way, she said, tell John not to pray for her. It's like, too late. Um, and so you've got to be gentle and sometimes be a bit pushed back. Sometimes, but you've got to be wise. And I saw her this week and all's forgiven. I didn't pray for her. But she knows I could, given half a chance, step out. The circumstances mean nothing. Calculate the circumstances and move ahead anyway. And the reason why we can move ahead is that our God is a big God. If your God is small, if you, as a matter of fact, there's a verse that says, do not, what's the word? Looking for a word here, the scripture says, limit, do not limit the Holy One of Israel. Don't limit him. Say, oh God, you couldn't do that. How do you do that, you say? Well, I'll tell you how you do that. You say to yourself, maybe those people aren't in the room, but some people say to themselves, God couldn't use me. Yeah, wanna bet. But of course he could. Of course you could. We've got to get out of the road. Get ourselves out of the road. Make ourselves available to him. Listen to this. This is, this is Abraham's big God in Romans 4, 16 and 17. Therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abram's offspring. Let me read that again because you're in there somewhere. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abram's offspring. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. So, so what happens is that you're looking at something that doesn't even exist and God can make something out of that. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith we believe that the world, the worlds, were, the visible world was made out of the invisible. Do you believe that? I do. 
and it is the rock of my faith. I believe that God makes stuff out of nothing. He speaks it into being. Because he's God. He's the great and mighty God. And so, he raises the dead and speaks into being things that are not. In other words, when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. When you get to the thing that says, I can't do that, he says, yes, you were never meant to do it. You were meant to do it through him. You were meant to do it through him. Let me go back to the original verse. I'll tell you a few stories. And then, sorry, let me go back to the original verse. I'll point at me and then I'll point at you. So, so you think, well, where's he going on this? He's setting you up. That's what he's doing. Sorry about that. Will the deacons please close the doors? Yes. <laughs> By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would in later receive in his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. I gave my life to the Lord at 13. It lasted about five weeks because nobody discipled me. I came back when I was about 18. I became discipled. I met Catherine, who really encouraged me in my faith. Uh, we joined a good church. Uh, we sat under the word of God five times a week. We got to know God. We got to hear his voice. And then I was asked if I'd become a youth leader. And we said, yes. It's like an, an obedience thing. And uh, the reason I'm teaching you here today is that I learned teaching as a Sunday school teacher. Because if you can hold the attention of Sunday school children, you may be able to hold the attention of adults. So the question is, let me just, this is, I'm getting off to the side here a minute. My wife Catherine turns 73 next birthday and she's helping to run the children's church and run around with those kids. And she spent all day yesterday preparing and she went out shopping to, and she built all the craft last night, got to bed about 11.30. So my question is, how many people are going to help her and take over from her in the future? To put their hand up and say, I don't know whether I could be a children's church leader, but perhaps God's calling me to that. Maybe you don't have the experience to do that. Maybe you don't even have the, well, hopefully you'd have the disposition to do it. But then again, Abram's name was changed to Abraham. And maybe if you don't have the personality to do it, maybe God can change our personality as we submit to the call. Because it's the call that shapes us not necessarily my likes and dislikes. You'd, you'd hope to have some personal direction that way. But it's just, just an example. She will keep doing it until she drops, which if she lives as long as her mother, she's only probably got another 30 years left. So she'll keep doing it, but it'd be good. When we went to Adelaide to take over a failed church, we went to, the church that we took over had gone from 700 to 30. When we took over, it was back to about 70. We had... Two teenagers and four children in the church and Catherine took over the, the Sunday school, the children's church. 
four years later, this old lady used to come and said, oh, really worried about Catherine. She's not in the meetings. No, she's in the other room ministering to these kids. By the time we left, we had 140 kids in ministry there. But don't let her do it on her own. She's got some great people, Mornay, who have prayed for it, not even out there, um, and others out there. Rise up. Come on. Let's assemble ourselves together and serve the Lord. That's just one thing. So let me tell you about me. Uh, about four years ago, three years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, stage four non-Hodgkin lymphoma, uh, uncurable, and uh, no symptoms. Uh, eventually got chemo, no side effects, and they can't find it. Hooray. Praise God. Uh, during holidays, when I'm relaxing, my blood pressure's about here. So I've got blood pressure tablets, and my blood pressure's here, and then I've got double lots of blood pressure tablets, and my blood pressure's about here. Not because I'm anxious. I don't stress. I give stress, but I don't take it. So this week I've had blood tests and I've had uh, ultrasounds, etc., etc. None of those things, none of those circumstances is stopping me from serving God. The fact that I'm not 74 yet, I'm not even 75 yet, is not stopping me from serving God. So what's stopping you? That's the point. It's this, but it's this. It's what you, but, but, but you don't know. You, you know, like when I pastored, I hadn't had a single day in Bible college, which was scary for me, but scared the daylights out of our congregation. Uh, so, but I don't know enough. Well, use what you do know. As a matter of fact, the way, the way to learn is to do it. The, the, the best way to learn the word of God is put it into practice. To become obedient to the word, I'll do that. It says, I'll do this. Assemble yourselves together. I, I do that. Bless them that curse you. I can do that eventually. Bless them that curse you. So I'm going to take it easy. Uh, I work for 96.5 Family Radio. Uh, I'm going into about a six-week, five-day-a-week session. I'll come out of that at the end of November Get on a plane, fly to Bangkok, Bangkok to Chiang Mai, drive to Omgoi, and I'll teach in the Karen for Christ Bible College five times a day for three days. It's actually 18 sessions we'll do there, and then I'll roll into a couple of meetings after that and then preach in the Kingdom Life Church in Chiang Mai. So I'm just going to take it easy. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, just going to take it easy, but I won't stress about it every I'll just pace myself. Um, I've got to go back for some more tests, etc. I won't stress. The scripture doesn't say, oh, magnify the problem with me. It says, magnify the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like you to say this scripture after me, please. The circumstances mean nothing. 4 John chapter 18. So in other words, I've made it up. I've made it up. But, but it's true. It's true. Holy Spirit, 
what a privilege to minister to these people who are the best of your saints. They are the ecclesiastes, the called out ones. The called, you've called them. Every single person in the room has been called by you. Your calling is your enabling. Lord, we're not here to occupy space and time. We're here to occupy the calling. Jesus said to his disciples, do business till I come. Occupy till I come. Father, I pray for those who are desperate to know what their call is. And I pray that they would unpack that call wherever they are today. That they would take a step of faith and say, I believe whatever I'm doing today, whether it's much, little or nothing, that I can represent the Lord Jesus Christ today. Father, I pray for those that have this understanding that where they are and what they're doing is not where you've called them to and what they will eventually do. And it's still far beyond them, but Father, give them the faith. What is it that Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the proof, the evidence of things to come. Lord, let there be a release of faith, I pray, to say, I'm going to believe God for something that's bigger than me. Father, I, I, I pray that you'd, you'd help us get our eyes off us. It's not, what, it's not us, it's what can happen through us, for you. I pray that, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, burn within us a passion for you. That, it, that in one sense we are led of the Spirit, but we are driven by our love for you. What does it say, 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Is it, for the love of Christ compels us. For the love of Christ compels us. We remember, Lord, when, you, when, when it was said of you, Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself up for us, we respond in equal measure. We give ourselves up for you and the purposes of God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.